get ready for the Girls on Games podcast. Your weekly dose of news, reviews, and everything video games. Always served with a good helping of hype and just a pinch of salt. And now, your host, Leah. on Games Podcast. My name is Leah. I'm the host of this show. This is episode number 372. And today we're talking Discord making its way to the PS5. Steam gets its all-time high in concurrence. And we get a price on that DualSense Edge controller. And it ain't cheap. But before we get into that, I want to introduce you to the friendly voices around this digital table. Catherine, how you doing? I'm good yourself. I'm excellent. Joelle, how are you? Fantastic. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you for asking. Man, we got some stuff to talk about in the podcast this week, but let's do a little bit of housekeeping. And I would like to remind you that if you enjoy this show, you can subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Podbean. If you'd like to get some GOG merch, you can do that by going to designbyhumans.com slash shop slash girls on games. Or maybe you'd like to give us a tip, maybe buy us a coffee. You can do that by going to our Kofi. That's ko-fi.com slash girls on games. Want to drop us a line? Maybe make an appearance on the podcast? You can do that. Go to Talkback in the iHeartRadio app. Go to the Girls on Games podcast page. Hit that little microphone button. Leave us a voice memo and uh, you might be heard on the show. All right. It's been a fun week. Ladies, what have you been up to? Catherine? Uh, I went to eat goat. On a goat farm. Wait, so you eat, saw the eat, eat, eat the goats, goats and then you saw the coats? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, for context, it was my spouse's uncle's 70th birthday. Okay. And in 1989, he spent a year in Morocco. He worked for Bell Canada for his entire career. And I forget the reason or what he did or whatever. I tried to ask the details uh to Pascal after, but he was like, I was eight years old. I don't remember. Uh, but basically his uncle worked for Bell Canada and they had to go to Mor- Morocco for a year for, for work. So they figured it would be good to have a Moroccan food. But like instead of, you know, Moroccan restaurants in Montreal, um, I guess we went somewhere because there's a lot of family that doesn't necessarily live in Montreal. We went to... Saint-Lotide, Quebec. And you're like, where the fuck is that? I'm like, exactly. Um, <laughs> take Champlain Bridge. Keep driving. Before Sherbrooke, I don't know, hit, like, uh, or turn towards Ottawa before you go to, sh- you hit Sherbrooke. And then there's, like, the 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 wind things that produce electricity. Like, the farm is somewhere near there. It was just, like... His cousin rented a a car sh- uh, a car from a car sharing app so that we could yeah. go, basically. Um, and it it was amazing though. But it's like basically this woman started her goat farm. Um, she sells goat meat, goat milk, goat whatever. Um, and she decided to make this um, what we call in French table champêtre or table d'hôte, which is basically a uh, a farm that has like a restaurant, but it has like a set menu. Okay. Um, because you're gonna eat products 
from that farm. Okay. Um, and mm-hmm. because she make she raises goats, uh, one of the easiest and more most delicious ways to prepare it is a Moroccan ta- tagine mm. um, with the couscous and the vegetables and things like that. So she made a whole like this lady is white by the way, but um, she made. <laughs> She she grabbed like a, a a room in her house and she decorated a completely Moroccan. Um, she made a full Moroccan menu with a soup, salad, the tagine. The dessert was like fusion um, because a lot of like these Middle Eastern um, food culture have a pancake type thing dessert. Uh, with like rose water and whatever, and she kind of like brought it back to local. She made it uh, with apples and a maple and maple syrup, of course. Um, so you know, it kind of like was this fusion dish, but like everything else was was really good. And I was just like, okay. Um, and there's a local woman that does uh, belly dancing. She came and she did a show. Were you guys the only where people there? Like your family? Um, no, actually, it was a bit awkward because out of the four tables, there was one table that were just random people. Oh, that's <laughs> for you guys. <laughs> and they mm. got pulled in into a it was a surprise party. <laughs> wow. So when the, when people were like, oh, Robert's here, Robert's here, we were like, shh, shh, shh. And then he walks in and we go, surprise. And they're just like in the corner, like. Did they did they participate? Were they just like yes, we will join in on the fun? Or I uh, f- I guess for the most part they were in there, but at one point it was like Pascal's cousin, the guy's son, basically just kind of like stops everything because they made a video, and they made like a ten minute video like with souvenirs from like when they were kids, like from the when the man was a child in the fifties to their trip to Morocco in the eighties, and a lot of re- uh, recent stuff, and then people recorded. That couldn't be their recorded birthday wishes. It was his 70th. So it was like a big thing. And for like 12 to 15 minutes, these people were there <laughs> watching the video of this strange person. <laughs> uh, this old man they don't know. They're in on the fun. Exactly. And then after that, he made a speech and he was like very like touched. And there was a lot of emotion. Like it was a very beautiful moment for us it was amazing but i guess it was awkward for those like six to eight people that were <laughs> that... just there to eat some moroccan food well they got some <laughs> classic history on the side of their dinner <laughs> wow but yeah so basically it was like we drove like for it was like an hour to go there an hour to come back it's like we drove there we ate we dr- we came back um but it was great uh i met i made friends um, with the goats and the farm cats. I was going to say you made friends with those people at the at, at the other table, but no, you decided no, to make friends no. with the, the animals on the farm. Fuck, fuck people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want, like. I know enough people at this point. Like, I don't need to know more people. <laughs> I need to know more cats that want to be pet. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Uh, so yeah, that that was our Saturday night. It was really enjoyable. It was really fun. Um, I hadn't seen a lot of Pascal's family in like decades. He hadn't seen them, a lot of them in decades, especially with the pandemic in there, like it's, and people being all over the place. No, it was really good. It was an adventure. And I would never think that like we would drive for an hour to go in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, to go in the farm in like Quebec, Canada, (laughs) ran by white people 
and we show up and it's like entirely Moroccan decor and they're like, we make tagines. And I'm just like, uh-huh. <laughs> what? <laughs> everything. No, it was absolutely like straight up delicious. Excellent. Uh, everything was very flavorful. And um, I'm guessing they sourced a lot of the ingredients locally and, and things like that. So no, it was, it was amazing. Cool. Shuel, what'd you do this week? I had a really busy week. Um, on Saturday, I saw Black Adam. Oh, what'd you so think? I actually liked it. Um, I know review for you know formal reviews were kind of digging on it, and I thought, oh boy, like you know maybe maybe I just like threw away some money. Um, but I went and I actually thought it was it was pretty good. Um, I thought The Rock was great. Like I actually I, I was I was. I was honestly waiting for a reprise of like, you know, the mummy, um, mm-hmm. the scorpion king, but <laughs> I think he has learned some lessons along the way and <laughs> he did a much better job. So uh, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I mean, it's a DC superhero movie, so you have to cap your expectations accordingly, yeah. right? Like you're going to, it's an entertaining film. Does it break the mold? Like, no. Was it good? Yes. Um, there was some good parts and, and it kept moving. Like, it really just kept moving and grooving. So that was nice. It didn't feel too long or anything. So so, so I recommend. And um, my theater also, I thought it would be more full. It was uh, was a little sparse. That, so, was, that was the week it came out? Or is yeah. it a, uh, No, it was opening yeah, it weekend. Out. Yeah. Wow. I know. So. Crazy. I wonder if we're, audiences are just fatigued, you know. I'm I'm a diehard, so I'll I'll keep going, but uh, I don't know. It was good though, and then it was abnormally warm here in Minnesota on Sunday. It was like 77 degrees. It was so warm. Uh, so I went for a bike ride, which was really fun, and nice. uh, yeah, it was really good. So that was really nice to get out and to do a bike ride, cause I'm sure by tomorrow we'll have snow. So you know. <laughs> Yeah, I saw some pictures of Calgary the, the other day. They got snow. But it's really it's unseasonably warm here in Toronto, too. How about Montreal, Kat? Uh, it's 15 today. Going to be like 20 tomorrow and then 25 on Wednesday. Oh, snap. And, and then we're dipping back to 10 degrees uh, Celsius. Uh, I think like out in Calgary, they got back to 20 degrees, too. Like this is yeah. snowing and then it was just like they woke up and it's barbecue season again. Mm-hmm. Mike and I were walking home uh, from the subway after work and uh, the it was like perfect temperature out and the sun was kind of setting and there was like so many leaves on the ground and everything and people had their Halloween decorations out. And I was like, oh, this is what they picture in the 80s and they do these movies like and it's at Halloween and you don't have to wear a snowsuit and things like that. It would be like this because I always remember having to be bundled up and yep. it'd be like sometimes snowing for Halloween and stuff when I was yep. a kid. Your costume has to fit over snow pants and boots and a coat and if you wore a tiara it has to go over your hat yep Yep. truth 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 i kind of am hoping that we're gonna get some trick-or-treaters but uh i don't know if it's actually gonna happen i'm curious to see how much my mom gets we always you know we always hear the tale about mom and how many she gets i Mm. I'm wondering, too, for uh, Allie, how many she's going to get. Joel, do you anticipate any uh, trick-or-treaters? No, I don't think so. In my building, we're not even allowed to, like, put decorations up. But uh, across the street, 
Yeah. Um, there's a really, really great neighborhood, and it is so fun to go and walk through the neighborhood because the decorations are phenomenal. And nice. I, I love how, like, themes come about, like Beetlejuice theme or, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street theme or mm-hmm. bug theme. So it's just, it's really fun to, like, walk around and, and see how creative people get. So I bet those kids, you know, all the kids that live in my building, man, they're going to score big time. They just got to <laughs> go across the street and I'm sure they'll they'll load up and then I'll hear them for the next 24 hours because they'll be all mm-hmm. on sugar <laughs> mm-hmm. how about you cat do you get any trick-or-treaters uh not on my not on the second floor but yeah. uh my uh my brother downstairs uh they organize trick-or-treating uh usually in montreal they do the back alleys because mm, it's safer for the kids than yeah. on the street oh i bet yeah you're on a main drag too so that makes sense yeah, yeah. So, but it's uh, it's easier also for decorations and uh, things like that. So, yeah. There's uh, usually I, I've noticed that like our alley and like the one across north and the wrong across south. They've they've been doing Halloween in the alley for for a while, um, and it was easier also for social distancing during COVID uh, True. because you could be like in a backyard and just kind of like be outside and just kind of like monitor a bowl of candy where people just kind of like grab a few um, Mm -hmm. uh, or make pre-made bags. I don't know. Um, So, yeah, I don't partake because I am uh, old and cranky and angry, but uh, (laughs) my brother, they do, they do the thing. They got young kids. So like somebody's got to stay, give the candy. Somebody goes with the kids to get candy. And it's just like, it is fun though. Like, to see the kids run around and all in costumes and just having fun, you know, it's hear them laughing instead of just hearing the traffic on the street. Yeah. Um, Halloween is always the time that proves that Mike and I have zero willpower. <laughs> so um, yesterday we went to the drugstore and picked up Halloween candy because I kind of want to give some out. But Mike keeps saying, we're not going to get any kids in our complex. We're just not. And I'm like, he's like, we should go down to Bell and Laces and hand out candy out there. And I'm like, ugh. I don't want to do it at my house. But we ended up picking up some Halloween candy because I'm like, you never know. We might get some kids and rather be prepared than not. Mm-hmm. We're already eating the candy. <laughs> 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 the way that I said to Mike, I said, pick up the stuff that you like and that I like. So that like mm. if we don't have any kids mm. come by, we will eat it. Yeah, we're already halfway through one box. Wow. Well, I mean, what are you gonna do? They're just they're just so scrumptious and snack size. Like I, I bought a bag of Snickers, and I mean, I'm not a big chocolate person, so that's partly why I bought the Snickers because I was like, mm. I won't be so tempted. Um, mm. But I think I've already eaten like a third of it because it's just like so easy just to grab, just to grab just it. Grab a piece. Oh yeah, just there. It's one piece. It's one piece. You know, just one piece. It's fine. Did you guys have a favorite Halloween candy that you would get when you'd go out trick or treating as kids? Yeah, nerds. I love. Yeah, all oh, nerds. Nerds because like the opening that little cardboard box and just like doing it like a shot. Man, <laughs> I felt so mature and insane <laughs> at the same Shooting time. Shooting sugar candy. Yeah, it was amazing. How about you, Kat? Oh man, it's a tie between. Um, I actually loved the Tootsie Rolls. Um, Halloween's the only time I ate them. Because getting a big Tootsie Roll of taffy, yeah. it was that or the Starbursts. Ooh. I am not yeah. allowed to buy Starburst chews. 
Um, because I will go through the fucking thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, third favorite, and this one was my mom's favorite, but she only ate it at Halloween. So every Halloween, the first thing I did when I came home was hand this woman a small size of coffee crisp. Oh yeah, coffee crisp. It's actually the box that we got was Kit Kat coffee crisp. Arrow and something else. Smarties. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. And Smarties in the U.S. are not the same thing as Smarties in Canada. Smarties in Canada are chocolate. Smarties in the U.S. are those long sugar candies. Rockets. rockets, We call them rockets. What? What is happening right now? Yeah. Why am I in this alternate universe? Did you just say Smarties were chocolate? Yes. So I can prove it. Do you want to see it? Do you want yes. to see what it looks like? Yeah, right, give me a second. I, I need, I need, I need receipts. Like this is because yeah, the, it's a branding issue because in Canada we have an M M&M and M type candy called Smarties. Oh, so when whatever company that makes like these uh, little pieces of plaster, they say is candy, um, they had uh-huh. to rebrand. So here, there's they've always been called Rockets. Huh. So it makes for an interesting conversation. So when we're like, you know, like you have Canadians being like, no, Smarties are better than M&Ms. And then Americans are like, they're two different types yeah, of candies. Yeah, like they're not even in the same genre of Obviously, candy. These are Halloween ones, so they're tiny, but they're like this. Yeah. See, now and, yeah. that box looks like it would... Usually they're in a roll, but... No, these are... No, it usually comes in a big box, a big blue box. Yeah. Smarties, the way for we do. But I know the Smarties Years. you're talking about. They're you're talking about rockets. Yeah. Um, no, I'm talking about Smarties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're called. Yeah, yeah. they're totally called. Yeah, there's a whole YouTube video about it. There is. Look at okay. this. Well, this is what I'm gonna be doing now after. Look, it's just a branding change, and I actually think there's other candies that are like this too. Do I even have Discord over? No, I'll just do it in chat here. Here you that go. That is so. Funny. There's the difference. They they look the same. They just got a different name. And yeah, these are like chocolate on the inside. A little like, like <gasps> almost like M and M's. Oh, oh my gosh! No, mm. I can't. My brain is busted. <laughs> it's it's just a branding problem because we is have so funny. we have Smarties, which are like M and M's. I think Mars bars and Milky Ways might be very close to the same thing, too, because there's no bar- Mars yeah. bars in the U.S. Like I said, mm. we need to get Joelle's address and ship her a care package from Canada. Yeah. Where's well, my- Canada. Coffee, coffee crisps are Canadian exclusive, if I remember I was going to say, I don't know what those are either. It's Oh, my yeah. God. It's no. A, yeah, it's a wafer bar. Like, the interior is wafer I like uh, with uh, coffee-flavored cream and then Looks covered like in that. chocolate. Oh, oh yeah. yeah so, so it's like a Kit Kat, it's like, it's but like, a like Kit, Kat. Kit Kat, but with coffee, and it's more the wafers more like there's more to it. Oh, yeah. that sounds yeah. delicious. All right, we definitely have to send a care package, Catherine. Oh my we gosh, get on this, this is so crazy. Look at all, all the things that I've learned while on this podcast. It's a lot of <laughs> about <laughs> like the differences in, between American and Canadian <clears throat> candies. And then when I went to the UK, like in 2002, I want to say, um, I noticed that they had like candies and chocolate bars that like looked that were made by Wonka mm-hmm, that looked mm-hmm. similar to what we had back home but they had like different names and whatnot mm. um and I think a lot of it is due to like these like large mega corporation like Nestle and whatnot right uh just purchasing a bunch of like companies and keeping some local branding 
So that or they people, couldn't use it. They, they couldn't, couldn't use the it. words. Yep. Yeah, they couldn't use or just keeping local branding because it was an established brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of having like, oh, let's just have one global brand, even if they could have one global brand, they were like, oh, well, we got to keep this name for, you know, like in the UK because it means something. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because sometimes it's just Nestle buying like a competitor that had a similar product, but then they can't, you know, if Nestle were to buy Smarties, no, I mean, Nestle makes Smarties, but let's say the M&M company were to buy like Smarties, they couldn't mm-hmm. just be like, these are M&Ms now. People are not going to buy them if they prefer Smarties. Yeah, they, they taste different. If you put next one an M&M next to a Smartie, they taste different. Smarties taste more like candy, almost, while well, M&Ms, I can feel like I taste the chocolate more. There's one major difference for me for Smarties. One of they're peanuts gar- and one not? <laughs> they're guaranteed <laughs> peanut free. So I eat, I only eat Smarties. I haven't eaten M&M in decades. Smarties are that. always peanut free. Yeah, <laughs> always peanut free. I'm just trying to like, you're like, oh, this is so bizarre. <laughs> I know. Now that we've gone down this rabbit hole of Halloween candy food, food is always a hot topic here at the GOG cast. I love it. You know what else it. is a hot topic? Video games. Mm. We'll like, we'll get to them. I was like, what? Into the show, we're gonna get to them. I was like, on the cl- I was like, what is it, Leah? I don't know what you're. What are you gonna what say? <laughs> Catherine, you still going strong with Dragon Age? Yeah, I uh, took a bit of a break because I was away. Um, but yeah, uh, I have. Long story short, people, if you play Dragon Age Origins, and when they open the map and they're like, you have like five places to go, go to the Mage Tower. And get the healer. The game, like, I was struggling through Redcliffe. And then I get to the end. I'm sorry, if you guys have don't want spoilers of the story, just kind of, like, stop here. But basically, you get to Redcliffe, and they're like, you have options to do this. One of the options was possibly to go to the Circle of Magi and get, like, the mages to help. And I was just like, you know what? And after, like I said, last episode, I went to the chalet, and I talked with my friend, and he was like, yeah, you should have... Like, go to the Circle of Magi and get, like, the character there. She's a mage and she's a healer and it makes the game completely different. So as soon... But I was like, I'm stuck in the story of Redcliffe. So as soon as I got an out and they were like, it was an option, I told Lady, I was like, hold the line. Um, Galileiding, I'm going to go talk to the mages and come back. And she's like, but they could implode. I'm like, I'm taking this chance. I'll start a new save file. I don't care. We're five hours into this game i can start over um and i went to the circle of magi and as soon as she joined my party i was like oh my god finally (laughs) i i was getting like you get random encounter when you travel from point to point Mm -hmm. i was getting like tpk'd by a pack of wolves (laughs) so it was almost like they force you to go pick the character up if not you're screwed it's just a lack of balance because it's an old game old game Mm. like it's basically yeah and she's like much higher level and she has a lot more slots in her like tactics where you tell like the ai what you want to do okay because like most characters you know like for for liliana i was like all right you know your behavior is going to be range and i'm going to use the archer archetype and there's just like four things like, you know, when an enemy is close, when they get in, within melee range of you and, you know, some of the abilities you can use. Um, she had like nine or ten. 
Wow. I don't know why, and like, I'm also with more, I have Morgan as part of my party, who's another mage. And she has like four slots. And this lady has like literally like eight, I think. Yes, like double, double the, I'm sorry, sorry to think of the, anyway, I'm just like, I don't get this character. This is the I win button of the game. Did, I don't know if I picked her up. I thought Lynn. I did. It's the older lady. Oh, I maybe I just didn't use her very well. No, I did. Okay. I was just like, wait a minute. Would my playthrough have gone so much better? But I think I did. I probably just didn't utilize her correctly. I, hmm. I, I don't know because I'm doing a lot. Like, And then my friend was like, you got to look into your build because like, as a fighter, you can, you can drain mana from the mages and it's going to be way better and things like that. And I'm just like, wow. Like, I was mm. going through... I had a, as a modern gamer, I, I went with this idea that I'm going to use, like, I'm going to play on casual, I'm going to use auto level up, and I'm going to do whatever. Uh -huh. Turns out, no, like, you can't do this in this game because it's not well balanced because it's old and it's like, um, or back then it was just like about the system. Because, like, the story lasts about, like, I guess 20 hours. So a lot of, like, your extra hours, I guess, are spent managing everything, but I don't want to manage everything. It's a Bioware game. I just want to power through the story and smooch somebody at one point. <laughs> um, so maybe I should have looked up builds and like stuff, like uh, things to do. But I, I think I'll be able to like play it. But now I realize there's a chance that, you know, those are the kind of games that are old enough that you could get stuck because you didn't build or plan your characters properly, and now I'm like, Ugh. That's exactly what happened to me. I got in the end game, and I was like, uh-oh, I am fucked. Because I was like, I did not build this correctly at all, and I just stopped. <laughs> so I really hope that doesn't happen uh, to you, but I was like, uh-oh, I... Yikes. So... Uh I'm. I don't know. I'm gonna look into the things my friend told me because you do have a limited, the limited amount of like skill points and things like that. And now I'm like, uh, okay. Um, I'll see. Uh, I'll look into a few builds, but hopefully I didn't ruin my game. I don't want to start over at this point. Now I'm at the point where I'm like, I need to make this work. Hmm. I legit need to make this work. Uh. So hopefully, hopefully it goes well. Yeah. Joelle, what are you playing? Well, I am playing this little game called God of War Ragnarok. Woohoo! Spoilers! First Woo boy. Oh boy. I uh I am out of my mind excited. It is it is amazing. It the hype is real. Um I will say more next podcast about it, but it is wonderful. I have stayed up late playing it and it picks off exactly, it picks up exactly where it left off and yeah, just you hang on tight and you just let it roll. So it is, it is super fun, super duper fun. I'm, oh, I'm just, mm, I just love it so much. <laughs> So <laughs> yeah, we're hearing good word across the internet about God of War Ragnarok because yep. lots of people, it, you know, previews have essentially been out as of Friday of last week. Mm -hmm. um, we got our code around then too. So uh, Joelle is kind enough to uh, pick up the mantle and 
play some God of War Ragnarok for yeah. us. Yeah, twist my arm, make me do it. No, I'm like, I've, you know, and spoilers are already leaking, so I'm trying to stay off of the the Twitter. I'm um, mm-hmm. trying to kind of keep my my head low and and power through. And but like I said so far, like it it is it is everything and more. So more to come. Awesome. You playing anything else? I did uh, download Coral Island off of Game Pass, and I have been in and out of that game as well. And it has been pretty fun. I'm not a big like farm sim gal, um, but the artwork is super cute, and I just can't help but stand for all of the adorable and cute characters that I potentially get to get to uh, marry and uh, boo up for life. So. Uh, that's been pretty fun so far. And I really like the story, um, as well. So that's been a fun, uh, <laughs> a fun, uh, story to jump into between God of War and then I go and I want to farm my turnips, uh, <laughs> in, in the background. So it's been good. Got, got a quite a huge map, doesn't it? It does. It really does. And it is just adorable. I just love, I love the art style. I feel like I'm, you know, playing a a really well thought out Disney game. Um, and some of the humor is just stupid fun. So, um, yeah, I'm having a good time. Are you, did, or did you put it down? Are you uh, still I going? have a bit because other games popped up that I wanted to play, but I'm going to jump back into it. Um, so yeah, on Friday of last week, Persona 5 Royal came to Xbox Game Pass. Um, so I uh, decided to become a Phantom Thief once again, <laughs> and uh, I played the first game, the original game. I didn't complete mm-hmm. it. I think I got like 70 hours in or something like that, and then I just kind of fell off because, you know, us, other games arise. Um, but I didn't know too much about the royal piece of Persona 5. I thought it was just essentially like a different palace later, and then more characters would come then, and so on and so forth. No! The new characters come, like, right in the beginning you get introduced to them. Like, I was like, I don't, like, they're, you know, when you have that, you know, you played a game two years ago, three years ago, whatever it was, and, like, you have a recollection of how things go, and then certain stuff is, like, in Kenny Valley where I'm just like, did I do that before or not? And then I'm realizing, no, I didn't, because this is stuff that they added in afterwards. Because they did a whole bunch of, like, balancing stuff, and then, of course, added the character, added new palace, added all this thing. Palace is essentially their equivalent of dungeons. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah... Also, apparently there's a shit ton of new music, and the oh, music in Persona 5 yeah. is Good. fire. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I have that going, um, which is probably one of the greatest JRPGs of our time, when you think about it. Um, and then on the flip side of that, I have been playing Mario and Rabbit Sparks of Hope, thanks to the wonderful folks at Ubisoft who handed that code to me. And I really enjoyed Mario Rabbit's Kingdom Battle, so I've been super stoked about this game coming out. Um, it is definitely a strategy game, and I am very intrigued. I'm obviously very early in the, in the story. Um, and in the game, I probably got four or five hours in and I'm really just like trying to clear each world before I go on to the next and understand all the mechanics and really look down deep because they've added and changed a lot about this game, 
which is kind of interesting. It kind of feels like to me, I was getting this vibe of like Mario Kingdom Battle, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, mashed up with Mario Odyssey, mashed up with Mario Sunshine. Oh, that's which a, is a weird yeah. context. Hmm. Yeah. So the biggest and and the two ways to kind of mix this together is the overworld map part of things versus the in battle part of things. And mm-hmm. there's definitely like two things happening at the same time there. So the overworld really f- feels like Odyssey. Like you have a, a fleshed out kind of like land that you're, you're, you're on um, that you're going around and trying to help out. And I call it like Mario sunshine. Cause there's like this, they call it the dark mess, not mm-hmm. darkness, but dark mess. That's okay. like everywhere that you essentially need to clean up to try and, you know, bring life back to these different, like lands or whatever biomes or whatever that the rabbits have now all decided to, to habitate in. And that going around that space has like some puzzle mechanics and things like that in it. So it gives me like the more like 3d Mario platform, very loose, obviously, and not nearly as involved. Um, And then you get into battles and the battles feel similar in the sense that it is a, you know, tactics strategy game, but they changed a whole bunch. Like it used to be on a grid and now you more like have like an area of space you can move in. Mm, Okay. And yeah, instead of just being on that grid and it used to be that the grids were much more like linear or would make you solve a puzzle in order to progress. This seems more of a free flowing kind of many options. Uh, ways that you could kind of solve any of the any of the battles and they added some cool features to be able to take uh take advantage of that there's this like leaping mechanic where you can bounce off another or another character can like throw you into the air and then you can kind of like drift holding onto the like bebo thing for a little bit like you're almost like you're holding onto a drone and then drop somewhere to try and get a little bit closer uh, to where you need to be. And uh, you know what? It's it's all kind of interesting to have that kind of change up your tactics along with these sparks that they've added. So sparks of hope, the whole thing from the title. So the sparks are um, like kind of like a mix between the stars that you saw in some of the like Mario Galaxy mixed with the rabbits. And each one of them has like... Um, Think of it like abilities that you could add to any character at any time. And it seems like you can have up to two. Like I'm going to right now I only have one, but I could get I could take a a spark that has fire and another spark that has toxic stuff. And then that can get get added to my abilities and the enemies have weaknesses and strengths and all that kind of stuff. And you can use that as an added layer of tactics along with the tactics of each of the different characters and their weapons and upgrading them and all that kind of stuff. So it definitely has layers mm. that I need to dig through, mm. but I'm just scratching the surface. And so far, it's just as fun as the previous game. And I think I'm going to be in love again because it it just feels like it's scratching that itch that I have been missing for a little while now. So, yeah, lots of games coming out the past little while. But there's also lots of news to talk about. Ready, ladies? Yep. Yes. Let's talk news. Joelle, you've got a few stories here for us today. What do you want to talk about? I do. I thought 
some interesting things popped up over the week. I saw that um, Advaith, a uh, Twitter user uh, that uh, kind of uses a lot of, uh, uh, is really um, tapped into the Discord um, news and uh, uses, um, has leaked that the PS5 voice integration for Discord is soon on the way, and I don't know if the Xbox One is already there and working um, for people to use. I thought that one was announced not too long ago, but it's coming to PS5. Um, I think that'll be a really nice integration. Um, you know, instead of having to be logged into a, a bunch of different accounts, you can just kind of keep your Discord up and and join the conversation with friends. So I think that'll be a really nice uh, platform to integrate. I think it's nice that everything is kind of uh, coming and molding into into Discord. I use Discord chat a lot um, with friends while playing games, so it'll be nice to be able to do it on my PS5 as well. So... Yeah, I don't when I go and, you know, play games, I play a lot of single player games, but I don't mind like being on a chat and chatting with people while I'm doing it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And to have that Discord side of things would be awesome. I know oftentimes when there's a press conference or something, we'll jump on uh on Discord to chat it out and uh I'm often watching those via my Xbox or PlayStation or something like that through one of the YouTube or Twitch app or or something like that. I think the Xbox One, I'm pretty sure the Xbox One is already live, but yeah. in order to do it, you need to connect your phone, but they're working on a way to do it straight up through Xbox itself. Mm-hmm. But PlayStation had, they had announced a partnership that they were working on something, but nothing, we hadn't really heard too much on it, but now it looks like it's it's getting actively worked on, which makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Discord is great. Yeah. You can always join our Discord, discord.me slash girls on games. <laughs> Hell yeah, come join the fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you're not a PS5 user or a console user, maybe you were part of the 30 million horde uh, that was logged on to Steam uh, on the 23rd of October. Uh, Steam clocked and announced that they hit over the 30 million mark for concurrent user, which is a record on the platform. So that is an insane amount of people to be logged in to the platform at one time. Uh, However, not everyone was playing games. Um, They clocked at 8.5 million users were actually playing games. So a... (laughs) significant uh, decrease in just a tiny slice of people. I'm um, still 8.5 million is huge. Um, but over the, you know, the overall uh, logged in folks, it's just, um, it's just massive and it's just grown exponentially. Um, Steam has reported. What were the other like 12 to 15 million people that logged in doing was there like a game launch for people pre-ordering something well can anybody be is it just counted being logged in because note that this isn't the number of people playing at any one time just the number of people logged onto the platform a feat that's often achieved simply by turning on your pc yep so i mean but still to be getting the if they're getting 8.5 million people actively playing Mm -hmm. yet they have they have 30 million that are just logged on that's still a a shit ton of people to be actively have 
their apps open and stuff like that or have mm-hmm. your computer open with it a connection to steam mm-hmm. yeah just to have a it lot. running in the background i think yeah. a lot of people must have the auto launch auto login right auto update their games yeah. Yep. yeah exactly and that probably just you know got it all going but that i mean that was sunday that was yesterday for us recording this so that's kind of nuts yep yeah it is it's just it is insane to <clears throat> to note that Steam just has that reach and has that platform and and it is wild. And they've just like they said they've grown. They they kind of credit that to the pandemic, um, to, mm-hmm. to the growth in users, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I might ask like kind of a basic question. But Steam, it's just for games, right? Like you can't, you don't. There's other applications on there too. Okay. I uh, yeah, I got uh, I use an app called Wallpaper Engine. For my desktop wallpaper because they have lots of nice stuff there and sometimes I like have a cool like moving things mm. obviously that's not great on your computer running all the time yeah. but uh but yeah it uh they definitely have other apps and things like that that are available that you can get through steam um but yeah but also too I wonder like does it can does it count each like if I have it on my phone and I'm logged in and my desktop is logged in and if I had a Steam Deck and was logged in, do I just count as one user because it's one login? Or do I count as three? I think it would be three authentication of the same login. Yeah, yeah. So that could be interesting too. Because, you know, we have had seen, obviously there's shit tons of people who are playing games via Steam. But like also there's lots of people now with Steam Decks. Yep. Not millions, I don't think. Have they Have they sold millions? I don't think they made I, millions. No, I don't think <laughs> so. No. Yeah, I didn't think so. So interesting, interesting, interesting. Nonetheless, you know, more people playing games, more people knowing what the tools are to play games. Yep. Cat, mm. what do you got this week, girl? So, in an un Nintendo turns of event, uh, I think it was last year or earlier this year. Masahiro Sakurai, who is uh, one of the minds behind the Kirby games and, of course, the face of Super Smash Brothers, started a YouTube channel called uh, Masahiro Sakurai on Creating Games, where he talks about game design and stories of him working uh, on games, but really like some of the he teaches game design. Uh, on this YouTube channel. It's really interesting. Um, he speaks Japanese. There are English subtitles. And I think... Uh, da, 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 nope. There's no... Like on YouTube, there's no extra subtitles. So basically, there's a baked-in English subtitles in the videos. But in one of the latest videos, he talks about Super Smash Brother, which is one of the biggest franchises at Nintendo and one he's really known for. Um, and he shares the prototype. Uh, you know, there was like this this thing that got viral on Twitter because they leaked footage of what game was it? And then Grand Theft asked, Auto Six. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto Six. And he was like, "Yeah, art is one of the first thing that's in the game, so this is basically what it's going to look like live." And then a bunch of people just started showing like pre-alpha footage of their games. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like. People showed how Overwatch at one point is like, yeah, you got like, you know, um, Mercy and Tracer were pretty much like done, but Winston was just a blob in the background. Um, things like, 
the the they were on a map and the payload was literally a square on wheels, just kind of like boop 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 boop. Um, <clears throat> and I think it was interesting because like we all know that uh, Nintendo is very secretive, very closed off, and very her- like opaque. Yep. And when he started this channel, I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Really?" Um, and this is all like used with permission, so it's very uh, interesting because. So the prototype was Dragon King, the fighting game. And they're basically their pitch was like, it's a fighting game without health bar. And the prototype was programmed by Satoru Iwata, the former Nintendo CEO and one of the co-creator of Kirby. So all of the art and the game design was done uh, by Masahiro and everything else was programmed by Satoru Iwata. So, um, yeah, there's a quick little Polygon article that gives you the rundown. And then the video itself is eight minutes. Really interesting. Um, you get to see they use like they had these weird 3D men, human type thing. They look like those little mannequin, those figure drawing mannequins that you get from oh, the, the little crafts. wooden ones. Yes. That's what they look like. Uh, and they're, oh. just, and they're just there in fighting and you have like some of the multi-levels and you have the percentages up top and it looks, it looks, it looks rough, but it looks <laughs> like you can see that they're focusing on the gameplay and it's just like how all these like little mannequin, human, little man's, then became like Mario and mm-hmm. Link and Zelda and Peach and Kirby and Diddy Kong and Donkey Kong. Um, so yeah, just it's- I saw this today and it made me great, really happy. And then you reminded me about this YouTube channel that I didn't have time to like. There's so much content. Um, he has videos on work ethics. There's a playlist on game essence. Like one of those videos says, you know, like squeeze and release. Wait, stress can feel good. You know, fun. You know, game essence and role playing games. Risk reward. He has one on planning and game design. One on design specifics. Visual arts, animation, audio tech. Just like all this knowledge of somebody who's been in the industry for like. My God. 20 years easy if not more they're on this uh masashiro sakurai on creating games youtube channel there's only 500,000 subscribers Mm. i'm surprised it must be new criminally low is it like too nerdy maybe people just don't know about it but like 500,000 like it was the creator of smash brothers created july 2022 i think it must be like the kind of thing that you know Oh, it's gamers, new. Gamers get interested and nerded out. You know, like they're like, yeah, I can make games and whatever. But like when you actually look at content that comes out, like that's in the GDC vault, for example, or when game creators cre- uh, start writing blogs and things like that, when you actually read into the nitty gritty of this and you're just like uh, that, it's all like, wait, it's all PowerPoint and Excel spreadsheets. And you're like, yes. <laughs> this is a job <laughs> this is like this is very nitty gritty and it's a lot of iteration and it's a lot of feedback and it's just like throwing shit in the garbage 
every fucking day mm-hmm. um, and rebuilding and starting and just being like, you know, this is it. Um, so I think a lot of people maybe get that um, disenchantment with game dev when they find out like that most of our day is just hacking away at one thing until we get it right. Or that a lot of like these things, like finding these prototypes, these stories of like how they make these games and these prototypes and they get it approved just becomes a very tedious process with a lot of gates and, you know, they said this, so we had to do this, but then we thought about this and then, you know, this was for Nintendo 64. So, you know, uh, we had to rethink this and, you know, they were, we were limited by that. And of course, and they're in the best case scenario where they're a first party creating like a first party studio creating for a first party console. And they're like in the same ecosystem. Um, a lot of people that are like, oh, I could publish my own game. I'm like, just the process of having Sony and Microsoft say, yes, you can sell this on my console would have people crying in the fetal position. <laughs> And I think like when you start to like dig behind like what it is to make a game, people realize it's a fucking job. Mm-hmm. Well, Possibly. it's more than just a job. Like it's not just transactional. Like you're trying to like, it, no, it's, it's pa- I, well, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. It's, it's not just as in transaction, but it is a craft, right? It is a skill, but it's like Googling how to make games or Googling game design will get you the same thing as Googling plumber, plumbers to help you fix your toilet so that you can fix your own toilet at home or, you know, like trying to learn about like a lot of people are, oh, game you UX or app UX. I could do that. But when you like start to like watch this content, probably you're realizing this was not what I was expecting. And that's good for them to put that stuff out there mm-hmm. and people to understand what is involved in making games. I feel like we've had besides the technical issue the business side there's been so many discussions about games and how they're made and all this kind of stuff over the past few years especially like people not understanding the nitty-gritty of all the pieces involved in the iteration you mentioned the 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 grand theft auto 6 leak um one of my favorite uh youtubers is a guy who does a channel uh called game makers toolkit mm-hmm. where he essentially analyzes all these different um, game mechanics or things like what makes good AI and then talking about open worlds and pl- how to how video game economics are designed like these things that like when they work they work so well that you don't need to think about them but when they're bad they suck and mm-hmm. they totally deter your way of playing and understanding the what makes one thing good and what makes something not work is really important and going through i love like history of stuff and how things are made and you guys know that and considering the the books i read and related to video games and the youtube channels that i follow so it's really cool to like see these behind the scenes especially for something that like when Sakurai and Iwata and all these guys were making their games, they had nothing to fall back on. They didn't have mm-hmm. Unity. They didn't have, like, you know, kits of stuff with pre-made things that are, no matter what, like, had a, a template for a fighting game or a template for an RPG or whatever. They had to make that shit up. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and From to scratch. see the yeah, to see the the essentially the process and to have the creator sit there and tell you how they came to these conclusions is just phenomenal. Like what yeah. a wealth of knowledge. I'm I'm very happy to see this happening. You know, like I think a lot of um a lot of other industries, a lot of like big names came out and made like content and shared their knowledge or mentored and things like that. Unfortunately, the game industry tends to be a bit more opaque and a lot of it is due to the nature of the industry and all the fucking NDAs that people have to sign and, you know, through hoops. And Mm -hmm. just to give you context, you know, like every interview I've made where I talk about my job at Ubisoft um, has been reviewed and approved Mm -hmm. by PR and HR and my bosses. Mm -hmm. Just and it's just like I was just like people were like we just want to know like what it takes to be a UI artist and just because like I show up as a UI artist that works at Ubisoft I have to get that shit approved. So this whole channel by uh by by Sakurai which you can it's very well organized the the production qualities there you can see that like they're doing this with some money mm. and the willingness to share this knowledge and for it to be like set in time is amazing um i wish more game studios did this like did more public knowledge resources because internally there's a lot mm. you know and like, i think you see some stuff at like conferences like gdc and stuff that's like designed for developers rather yeah. than you know folks like us like at migs and stuff like that that yeah. we used to go to that's directed at developers but i think there's a beneficial for gamers to understand how these things are put together to have a better appreciate appreciation for it all because the the problem with any of like the gd the gdc talks or, or whatever is like it gets a lot it's a lot of content and there's not a lot of digestible these videos are between like two minutes and eight minutes long. Hmm, um, awesome. And they just grab this idea and they just kind of like roll with it. Um, very bite-sized and easy to consume. And it's like a f- the problem with the GDC vault is just like this person gave a 45-minute talk on this. And then you just get the whole fucking thing. Um, and a lot of it was there before the chapters on YouTube and things like that. So I encourage game devs game studios like to do these bite-sized content so that it's easier for us to learn the craft and even for like the general public to learn about it you know we have everybody says we have recruitment issues we have diversity issues you know um maybe if like we had more youtube channel youtube channels like this one that uh that's done by sakurai and his and his team we would have more people willing to learn and know about game dev without having to pay a ton of money to go to a place like these game dev schools that are woefully out of touch. I mean, if they're as out of touch as my teachers were when I studied graphic design, they're fucked, basically. And then you show up on in the market and you're woefully unprepared to make a game. Um, and a lot of like the industry is working towards mentorship and juniors and, you know, and getting people like from other industries that have skills that we could reuse and a lot of it goes through YouTube and self-help and self-learning. Like there's a thousand, a thousand tutorials on how to learn Photoshop and how to learn Illustrator and how to learn Figma and start designing screens. 
and apps and make prototypes. There's none that says, remember, when you do this, but for video games, here's your accessibility list. The fact that you have to think about a controller. Oh, and if you're multi-platform, you have to think about these requirements for Nintendo, these requirements for Sony, and these requirements for Microsoft, and these requirements for for if PC, PC. it's often your internal requirements or the Steam or whatever. You don't know that. You show up and you're just like, I can make pretty screens. And then your employer's just like, uh, cool. Now we're going to destroy all of that because we need you to make a functional screen. Oh, that was my rant about education and video games. <laughs> it was good. But, uh, it was all good. I have to say, this video is interesting because uh, it shows you like the iteration and the prototyping of a video game. And this whole channel should have existed years ago. Not just for Nintendo, not just for Masahiro Sakura, but like I want a lot of like game devs, like veterans that went through the trenches uh, to share this knowledge so that a next generation has it easier because that's always the point. Yeah. We want better games for everyone and we want better work-life balance for game devs. YouTube channels, please. And five to eight minutes videos. Perfect for my attention span. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, last story of the day. Um, I got an email earlier today uh, from PlayStation Canada about the DualSense Edge PS5 controller, which is the equivalent of the, I guess, the pro model controller, as we've kind of seen from the Xbox crew uh, releasing the Elite 2 and the Elite 2 Core. Um, and I'm not going to lie, friends, I was kind of shocked by the prices. So, um, I got a direct email, uh, from PlayStation itself, but there's a great story up on Mobile Syrup, which is a great name for a Canadian, um, website all about the tech industry and video games. I love it. Uh, so they have a story up. Uh, Brad Shank Shankar wrote it. Uh, PlayStation DualSense Edge PS5 controller costs, drumroll please, $270 in Canada. Ooh. Yeah. The pre-orders are going to go live on October 25th ahead of the July, or sorry, not July, January 26th launch. Yo. So yeah, that's kind of costly. Um... So, reading through the story, last week, a uh, 199 USD price tag and January 26 global release were announced, but specific Canadian pricing and availability were not provided. Because asterisk, everything is a little bit more expensive here in Canada, because our dollar is not the US dollar, and it's comp competition, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And we also have things like eco-taxes and the like in different provinces. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny because uh, the 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 guys at Mobile Syrup uh, wrote for context, the PS5 itself starts as five hundred nineteen dollars ninety nine cents Canadian for the digital edition. So the DualSense is uh, pretty pricey considering it's almost three hundred. Mm -hmm. um, a normal DualSense controller costs eighty nine ninety nine. Um, there are some of them that are a little bit more expensive, like limited edition ones and things like that. Um, but what's kind of crazy is uh, Xbox obviously has their version, the Xbox Elite 2. If you buy the Xbox Elite 2 and it comes with the case and all the paddles and all the things, it'll cost you $229. 
if you decide you just want the core model of the Xbox Elite controller, not all the extra dangly bits and things like that, extra buttons and stuff, that'll run you 159 But if you decide later you want to buy the rest of the, the paddles and stuff, it, that's going to cost you an extra 80 bucks. That's but believe what I got off Xbox website. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of nuts from uh, you know two twenty nine to essentially two seventy. That's fifty dollars in the price difference. Mm-hmm. Um, there are consoles that maybe cost that much money. I was gonna say you maybe could get a, a Nintendo Switch for uh, about the same, maybe just like thirty bucks more, and you got yourself a Switch, and in the U.S. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. The controller does come with, uh, along with the controller itself, the DualSense Edge. It comes with a USB braided cable. That is actually a nice cable. The one that came with the Xbox one was pretty nice. Uh, Two standard caps, two high dome caps, two low dome caps, two half dome back buttons, two lever back buttons, a connector housing, and a carrying case. So that essentially is pretty darn on par with what the Xbox Elite, if you buy it, not the core model, the other model, what you kind of get in there. Um, and there are rela- replacement stick modules that'll run you about 25 bucks Canadian. So yeah, I thought that was kind of wild for a pro controller to cost, uh, plus uh, when you add tax in there, it's going to cost you 300 bucks. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like... Let's face it, this is a PlayStation 5 only controller. It's like, at least if you get like the Xbox Elite, you have the option to use it with your computer. Well, or you, a, you, a Series you, S you, or an Xbox One. You know, I use mine with a Siri uh, with the the Xbox Series S X. Yeah. The what? What's the one well, that came in between? They're backward compatible. They're totally backward compatible. Yeah. Well, you still can't. I use my. You can use it with your PC. It just won't have any of the fun. <laughs> It'll just be because I use my DualSense on my PC and it just doesn't rumble. But I'm oh, just yeah. saying, you can buy three. You can. <laughs> just doesn't do all the fun. Won't do any fun things. Yeah. I know it's, I don't know. it's nuts. It is. It is like just. I don't know. Yeah. I, but my question is, will it drift? <laughs> and there's a good question. It shouldn't. And that's the thing too, because like. The controllers are easy to break if you accidentally knock it off your couch onto your floor. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I broke my first Elite that way. So to spend $300 on something that could easily get like it's one tail swipe from my dog from taking a flight across the, the couch. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a lot of change to drop. And like I actually changed my setup at home to have my cable run through the back of the computer because I kept knocking my controller on the floor uh, using it wired mm-hmm. um, because, you know, when on my PC, I don't want to, don't see the point of using a wireless and getting the batteries and like, I don't have a Bluetooth receiver in this old hunker. So I was just like a wire and at work, man. Oh my God. God, when I work at the office, thank God they gave me their Xbox one controller because the way it's connected to the front of the computer and how we roll and we walk. And sometimes mm. somebody will walk behind me and like, if I'm not using the controller, they'll knock it. Like they'll just grab by walking by, like by mistake, the wire mm-hmm. and it'll send like our controllers are always on the floor on um, falling. Mm-hmm. And it's just like so far so good. But imagine if you like, if I were to buy knowing this, buying a 270 Canadian dollar controller, that shit would be li- living in a case, like in a plexiglass. Like, are mm-hmm. you kidding me? Yeah. 
Yeah. You almost don't want to touch no, it. No, that's what I was just thinking. Like, it would just sit on the charger and, like, don't ever touch it. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's, like, there's a nice middle where these, like, basic controllers are really good. Um, and they run you under $100 Canadian. So, like, and they last, like, a year or two, depending on how how much you use them. Like, my first con- Xbox controller that died, I used it almost daily for two years before finally some of the connectors gave up the ghost. But, like, when I say daily, I would take it between my office and, the, and my console. Mm-hmm. Now I have, like, a controller, a console controller, and then a computer controller. And they're and the new the new models are a bit more durable. I feel like this is good. Like if this, you know, in two years when it dies, I won't feel bad. Mm-hmm. If I spend like I get the even like the elite like the Xbox Elite, I saw the price and I was like, "Are you drunk?" And <laughs> PlayStation was like, "Hold my beer." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, We're I didn't pay for my elites. <laughs> extra fifty dollars for this. I'm just like, no thanks. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna stick to the regular stuff. Like yeah. honestly, like. The only thing I think is worth it to spend extra money on is the accessibility controller. That yeah, these, yeah. these pro controllers are bullshit. I'm, I'm sorry. I I I think some people like it, like the the feel and whatnot. But I'm like, they're they sound like a money grab to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be curious to see uh, how well it does. Because like, if it's one ninety nine in the U S., okay, not so bad. But like two seventy <laughs> here in Canada, like three hundred dollars. Like I said, three hundred dollars with tax for sure. Woof. For like a user base. What was the penetration of the PlayStation 5 in the market? Just because you can't find the fucking things. Mm -hmm. I know. They can't make them fast enough. Yeah. But I mean, people want it. So they want a competition to the Elite Controller for Mm -hmm. people who take this shit real seriously. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, it's your money. Yeah, do what you want. Oh, yeah. Do do what you want. Do what you want. I I just think this is the kind... This is the kind of shit that... I'm like, this is not worth it. Like, just like historically with controllers and just the fact that like every Nintendo controller I've had since the Switch came out eventually drifted. Like, can mm-hmm. you imagine if you have to 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 RM this fucking thing? I don't know if it's that what's worse, that or the Switch Lite where it's freaking attached. <laughs> That's a whole other can yeah. of worms. See, um, speaking of your money, Kat, you still wearing your watch? Uh, Yes. It survived. <laughs> I am kindly waiting for manufacturers to make bands that uh-huh. are not um, sixty to one hundred and twenty dollars. Because yeah, uh, I'm not digging the silicone band. I want to change it. Uh-huh. But the only fabric band that I found is the one that made by Google and is sixty dollars Canadian piece of fabric to hold my watch is as expensive as a game controller. Yeah. There you go. So that was just like, that's the problem with being an early adopter. Uh, mm-hmm. I do see problems with like this gen- watch being a first generation. Um, and I know a lot of reviewers are not impressed by it, but for a user like me, I was like that or a Fitbit or a Galaxy watch. I mean, I don't care. But like now I just got to wait for people to make more accessories because I want to change the silicone band, but I don't want to pay after taxes and shipping almost like $80 for 
a piece of fabric that wraps around my wrist. Thank I don't you. blame you. I don't blame you at all. And with that, we close this episode of the podcast. I'd like to invite you to check out the show notes on girlsongames.ca if you're interested in any of the stories so you can read more about all the things we mentioned in this episode. Thank you, Catherine, for pulling that together every week. If you would like uh, to help us out to spread the word, one of the ways that that can be done is if you have the power to rate and review the podcast on the podcasting platform where you are listening to us, um, please do so. That uh, helps push us up in the uh, rankings for people who comment, people who listen. And then also, too, um, we go and read all of that. And the feedback really does help with us building this podcast. As always, I want to give the crew the chance to shout out their social media handles so you can follow them everywhere online. Catherine, where can people find you? I am C-S-D-S-B-I-N-S-C-S-D-B-I on Twitter and Instagram, but y'all can always find me in the Discord, the Girls All Games Discord. Fabulous. Joelle, where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram at JoelleLauren87 and on Twitter at gamer underscore comfy uh but always in the girls on games discord it's a good place to be come come hang with mm-hmm. us it is a fun place to be i am leah you are on most social media platforms but of course you want to know everything there is to know about girls on games you can track us down at the girls on games on twitter and facebook just girls on games no thought in there on instagram discord.me slash girls on games to continue this lovely convo and more but of course if you ever need to know anything at all you can check it out at our home base that is our website girlsongames.ca. thank you Catherine. thank you joelle it's been another lovely week in video games and i'm off to play more sparks of hope enjoy everybody have a great week bye bye bye